Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Jesse Jackson here, and I'm announcing a contest. Starting now through the end of February, all you have to do to win a copy of Nikki Germain's Springsteen at Liberty Hall is to go to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Hopefully a good one. I would love nothing but five stars in a three or four sentence review about why you love the podcast and why other people should listen to the podcast. Once you post it, send me a screenshot of your review. Email it to setlustingbruce at gmail.com. And everyone who submits that um, review, a screenshot of that review, will be entered into a drawing to win Nikki's book. If you include your mailing address, I will send you a Set Lusting Bruce sticker as a way of saying thank you. So that's all it needs. Go iTunes, rate and review the show, make a screenshot, email it, setlustingbruce.gmail.com, and who knows, you might be enjoying this wonderful book absolutely free and now let's get the show going people have asked me if, it, if it's written from personal experience and I can safely say that it's in, it's entirely made up. I was saying earlier about um, writing with other people in college, a guy that I'd, I spent most of my time writing with back then, he come to me and he was like, Annie, and I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I need you to elaborate. And he was like, I've got this vision of this woman. He was like, we need to tell a story about her. And I was like, okay. And we sat in a we sat in a room, and I think it took us a day basically to just bounce this idea back and forth and tell this story of this woman who who doesn't actually exist, and this story that probably pe- people can relate to in terms of what what is ha- what's happening isn't actually real.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though I'm sure he will come up, as he often does. And I am doing a timey-wimey episode. It is my evening and my guest, Dark 30. My guest has stayed up till three in the morning to visit with me. I am feeling very intimidated to try to make this worth her time. Kara, join. Thank you for joining me. Happy to be here. Tell us a little about yourself. I'm Kira Marsland, uh, born and bred from Liverpool. I'm a musician, and uh, my debut single is due out at the end of February, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about that. But before that, we're going to get to, I want to hear your secret origins. Talk about where did you grow up? Uh, take it from there in Liverpool. And what kind of music did your family listen to when you were younger? Oof. Like I said, born and bred in Liverpool. I've never lived anywhere else. Obviously, it is a very musical city, so you, you do grow up around that kind of culture. Yeah. Um, what my family, what I like, was listening to when I was growing up. So my dad plays the guitar and he has done for nearly 35 years. So he's very into like Eddie Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Stevie Ray Vaughan, like pe- people like that. So I grew up listening to that on one side, but then him and my mum were both quite big ravers. So I, I listened to dance music as well. So I had quite a broad spectrum across the board in terms of what I was listening to which is probably why my music taste now is is so broad as well. Yeah, I was going to say, did you embrace that music? Did you enjoy what they were sharing with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was into all kinds and and still am. I'm not the big, I wouldn't say I'm a a big raver. Okay. But for everything, I have a little bit of everything in my catalogue, I'd say, that I listen to now. Did you know very early you wanted to make music? Yeah, I did. Um, you, that's actually... a big smile you just gave me. So tell me <laughs> a little bit about that. There's, a, there's loads of videos of me when, when I was younger. There's a video of me in my grandparents' house in their living room. And I've got, you know, like them plastic guitars that don't actually make any guitar sounds. They just play songs when you press the buttons on them. I kind of pl- I'm playing one. I'm acting like I'm actually playing the guitar with one of these. And I'm stood in a microphone and I'm act like, I'm, like I'm on stage. And I'm, I must be like three or four so I think like even from then it's always been my thing I guess hey Pantheon listeners Christian Swain here you caught me just finishing up some editing on getting real with John and Beth I want to share my first experience with factor meals for you I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you I had just received my first shipment from factor meals the other day and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant quality meals for myself Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. When did you start picking up instruments? Um, So I got my first guitar. I must have been about seven, but it didn't actually start learning how to play the guitar until I was like 13. And then in terms of singing, I started off singing like in school choirs. Sure. And things like that, and like school productions and like school musicals. 
So that like that started I would say like around the age of seven as well. And that went all like all the way right up until I left school at sixteen. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. I don't know if you've read Bruce's autobiography or watched his on Netflix, there's his Broadway. But he okay. tells the story that after seeing Elvis on Ed Sullivan, he knew he needed a guitar. And <laughs> but his hands were too small to uh, do the chords and to do things. Was that part of the reason why you didn't get serious till 13? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I still struggle now. I'm not a very big person. Yeah. So I don't have big hands still. So I play like parlor sized guitars and everything yeah. now. And everyone goes to me, that looks like a normal sized guitar when you play it. Yeah. So like I say, like I still struggle now sometimes with with certain chords because of the size of my hands. So that's definitely a, a factor that entered into it. Yeah. Yeah. And he also told the story that he didn't he didn't care about scales or anything. He just wanted to play Twist and Shout. Right. And so that's it. The when so you've always had the performing bug, but when did writing start? Was it poetry? Was it songs? That went, did you always have that writing bug as well? No, actually, it's here in the UK. We have these things at, um, like when you're 15 and 16 in school called GCSEs. Yes. And you have to select subjects. And obviously, I selected music. Um, and as a part of my GCSE, in order to get me grades, I, I had to write a song. I did because I had to, basically. And then I played it to my music teacher and she said, that's really good. And I was like, is it? And it just snowballs from there. I then went on to study music um, in college and things like that and I met a guy there who I he was like I really love your voice let's write together and that's what we did basically for two years Mm -hmm. do you is creative writing and performing is it the same side of just two different sides of the same corn coin or does it work different muscles does it give you different satisfactions doing it that way i would say for me it, it, it gives me the same feeling it's that like it's almost like validating but not because obviously if i write a song and i think it's good yeah then that's starting point but if i play a song live and a room full of people also think it's good mm-hmm. then that's like where the validation comes from and there's no feeling finishing a demo or getting off stage there's no feeling that I could think of to compare that to yeah when as you you developed your love of performing and writing was it in university when you decided you might want to do this full-time or try to make it make it make it as a be a professional yeah, so I was actually in in a band whilst I was at college, and um, I I dropped out the band because I was like, I was like I'm not happy in the situation that I was in, and I'd come to learn that it, it was because that I wasn't the one making the decisions, kind of thing. I it, it, as bad as it may sound, that in in a band set, and I like to be the one in charge. Um, 
with with that I'd, I'd stopped doing music completely for a little bit because I was just like this I, that I just wasn't happy and then I picked it back up and Big Condo who I'm signing to now they were like the first gig that, that I did after I'd stopped I stopped for yeah. like a year and then it, like I say I reached out to Big Condo and they were like yeah we'll put, we'll put you on one of our shows and that's been three years since then now and now I'm here with you that's <laughs> awesome I hate I keep bringing this up but it, I think it's fascinating in Bruce on his biography talked about that he got tired of being in bands and everyone wanting to say their say. And he finally reached the point where he called it a benevolent dictatorship. I care about you, but, and that isn't where his nickname, the boss came from, but it's, I need to call the shots. It's my vision of my music. It's my creativity. And, and so I could see how, it that having that not having a voice heard can be very frustrating isn't it absolutely yeah i'm like i'm quite i have quite strong opinions i've been raised to to be quite strong-headed so in situations like that it's one of those especially like what when it's something that you've written yourself yeah it's almost it's like your baby almost obviously it's, it's sure. not but it's this is this has come from my brain i I'm at my most vulnerable point sharing what's come out of my brain with you. I can't afford to you to think that it's your place to make the decisions when it's mine. Yeah. Do you enjoy, though, collaboration if someone is coming it with respect and giving you ideas? Do you enjoy that give and take? Like you mentioned, you were writing with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've got a lot of respect for the for the musically talented people who who are around me. So yeah. like, if I respect you as a musician, then I'm more than happy for you to have have an input. Yeah. It's, it's that whole overbearing thinking that I know best kind of thing. I have worked with with loads of musicians in the past. I had even with like I said earlier about, about my dad playing the guitar. He plays lead guitar on all of my songs. Oh, how fun. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I'm like, I respect you as a musician. I also respect you as a person. I trust what you can do with what I'm about to give you. Mm-hmm. Hence, my first person that that I, that I go to with it. Yeah. Did you boss your dad around in the studio as you were working on your songs? Absolutely. I boss him both <laughs> even when. <laughs> I love that. That's great. So you talk about you've got a so is it a new album? Is it an album? Is it a single? Talk to me about what's coming up for you. Okay, so like I say, so the the day de- my debut single's coming out at the end of February. Okay. And that's the first song off a four song EP that's gonna be rolling out gradually over the year basically. And what's the name of the first single? The first single is called Annie. Annie. So talk to me a little bit about it. Where? What's the origin of it? And share a little bit about that behind the scenes. Give us some behind the scenes scoop on Annie. Okay. So it's not as juicy as, as people may think. A lot of people have asked me if, it, if it's written from personal experience. And I can safely say that it's, in, it's entirely made up. Okay. I was saying earlier about um writing with other people in college 
a, a guy that I'd I spent most of my time writing with back then, he come to me and he was like, Annie, and I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I need you to elaborate. And he was like, I've got this vision of this woman. He was like, we need to tell a story about her. And I was like, okay. And we sat in a we sat in a room, and I think it took us a day basically to just bounce this idea back and forth and tell this story of this woman who, who doesn't actually exist, and this story that probably pe- people can relate to in terms of what what is hap- what's happening, mm-hmm. or isn't actually real. So there is a a musician here in the states called Jason Isbell. Don't know if you've heard of Jason, um, but in an interview, he said one of the biggest misconceptions is that everyone thinks every song you write is about you. And he says that sometimes you're just telling a story. So you're nodding your head. Tell me a little bit of what, why that that speaks to you. I love to tell stories. I feel like that's the whole beauty of lyricism and yeah creating songs is pretty much everything is open to interpretation right what annie is to me can be entirely different to what annie is to you or to anybody or to anyone else for that matter that i think that's the main thing that i probably love about it is the beauty of Mm -hmm. interpretation yeah are you getting a chance to perform live? Are you doing some live gigs right now? Uh, so not currently. So the only what I've got coming up is the launch of the single, basically. So that's the twenty fifth of February here in Liverpool. Okay. Uh, it's a Sunday night, which everyone doesn't seem to be quite happy about because they'll have to go to work the next day. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to about that and to launch the single. Yeah, are you doing? Are you a full band, a solo? What your, what what's accompanying you? So I've got I have got a full band behind me. I've managed to recruit some people who are happy to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got my first practice with them this Sunday. So you'll have to wait and see how that goes. <laughs> That's going to be exciting. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about influences. Who are people? that have inspired you not necessarily musicians but other artists or people talk about your influences so in terms of music if we'll start there sure like the first first album that i ever bought was back to black by amy winehouse okay she's probably one of the main influences that 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 i was like i want to i want to do that i want to do what she's doing obviously not realizing as a child or like the suffering that she was going through and the struggle but in turn like for me there's no one who can probably compare to her as an artist sure i'm also a massive Fleetwood mac fan like massive stevie nicks fan sure like she's i've got no words to to describe stevie nicks yeah i'm a massive harry styles fan to be honest mm-hmm. in terms of, like current music like he's he's just an all rounder, I think, in terms of he's a performer, he's a writer, he's got an excellent voice. I think if I was gonna strive to be like anyone who's like about now, it would probably be like to be someone like him. Okay. 
Um, and in like my day to day life, I think like everyone I was around myself with, like my family and my friends. Sure. They, they are massive influences to me. I wouldn't be sat having this conversation with you now if it wasn't for the support of them constantly being like, no, they, you can do this, you can do this. And seeing them do the things that they like that they're doing in their lives. I'm just like, anything's possible. It it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that because a lot of times some artists don't get that support from their family. They're like, oh, you need to do something practical. You worry. So I love that they're behind you. I've gotten to hear the song and I adored it. I, I thought it was amazing. And that's why when I got re- when they reached out to me and they sent a sample and said, who's I said, I'd love to talk to her. So let's what's next for you? What do you want to you've got this this year? You're going to be putting out your EP. So what's next for you creatively? I've been writing for a really long time. I've got like a, a back catalogue of seven years worth of songs. Wow. Yeah. With with this EP that's that's gonna roll out over, over this year. These are songs that, that were written like seven years ago. Okay. Like when I was an entirely different person. So I've essentially got the next two EPs already recorded as demos. I just need to arrange getting into the studio for them to and then see when they want to roll the next one out basically i've got no of of stopping anytime soon has anything surprised you in your journey so far yes and no like i've always been aware of how much work had to go into it but being aware of that and actually experience it and having actually like actually having to put that work in are two very, very different things. Yeah, I can imagine. And I had a my actually I have a nephew that has a band. He lives in Austin, Texas, and I was talking to him and he said that the two hours on stage is the easiest job it's the arranging the tour schedules deciding who's driving the bus how often do they stop to the bathroom who has who gets a hotel room who's got to sleep on the pad he says all the other crap to actually get that two hours on stage is where the real work is the joy is getting to share that music with people you're shaking your head you must know a little bit about that feeling right yeah, absolutely. That, that I couldn't. I don't think I could put it better myself. That performing on stage, that is the easiest bit. And I don't think, obviously, the people watching appreciate what you're doing, but I don't think they yeah. realize how much work goes on behind the scenes, especially in situations like that. When more, the more people get involved, the more work that it is, basically. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I had a friend, Sarah. And talked about that she's a singer-songwriter. And she said, the mixture is, it's easier when it's just you, your guitar on stage, and there's nothing between you and the audience, right? You're just connecting. But at many clubs and pubs or wherever, they want a band, right? And so therefore, 
to have a bigger sound, you've got to have a band, which means there's more people, there's more involvement, there's you make less money because you got to pay your band. <laughs> it's that finding that middle ground, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like the thing that I've struggled with most probably recently, because I am used to it, just being me on my own, is yeah. organizing a rehearsal when everyone's free. That has been the biggest tra- challenge recently that I've faced in order to get prepared for this next gig because I haven't played with the band for yeah. Yeah. So this whole thing of being like, oh, someone's in work or someone's doing this or someone's busy, like trying to find a like a, a good a decent amount of time when everyone is free. Yeah. Is has been a real struggle for sure. Yeah. Are there favorite do you throw in some covers when you perform live? Are there and what are some of those favorites you love to do of other people's songs? So if I've got a full band, you will always find Psycho Killer by Talking Heads in there. Okay. Always. That is one song that I always come back to when I can do it properly. Okay. Um, And when it's me on my own, I'm trying to think what, pe- what people will always say that I play. Because sometimes with, with covers, people can normally guess what ones I'm going to do. Sure. Um, my go-tos are probably I Want to Break Free by Queen. Okay. And Teenage Dirtbag. Nice. Those are yeah. those are both nice. I love that. What should I have asked you that I haven't? I don't. I don't. I don't think there's anything that you've missed. Okay, I, that's nice to hear. You are. I, I am. I'm excited. If someone wants to reach you and find your music, what's the best way? Instagram is probably where I'm most active at the minute with, okay. with promoting everything. So I'm at Kira Marsland on on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere. All social okay. media, Kira Marsland. But if you want the best information from me, I would advise Instagram. <laughs> okay. And if someone is going to be there in Liverpool, where are you debuting the single? At a venue called Casimir Stockroom. Okay. And are you excited? I am very excited. I've specifically requested this venue because it's one that I haven't played yet in the city. What's and it the, is Is there history of the venue? Um it's just a it's just a well known venue, like within the music community. It's one that I've wanted to tick off my list. And it's also quite it's not a very large venue, like it only holds ninety people at capacity. So I thought the smaller the venue, the better chance I've got of having a debut cello. So that's my yeah. aim, is to fill it. Yeah, that's nice. Is there something creatively that you in the back of your mind you want to do that you haven't done yet? I'd like to produce a song with a choir. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, I I, I could see that. That would go well with your voice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? Uh, no, I've had a really good chat with you, to be honest. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. That's very sweet, especially since it's 3.30 in the morning there where you are. Thank you. I have loved talking to you, and you're welcome anytime. When you're ready to promote the next single, reach out. 
when you're ready to do an album. If you're going to do a Kickstarter to help fund a full album, let me know and I'd love to help promote it, okay? Great, thank so, you. I appreciate yeah. that. All right, if you're a fan of the lovely Kara Marshland's music and you're listening to this podcast for the first time, I end every podcast with the Mary question. And what that is, Jay Armstrong, who was an honor singles teacher, now retired in the Philadelphia area, when he was an English teacher, he would give his students the lyrics to Thunder Road, and he would treat the song as if it was a poem, which I'm sure you acknowledge that you love songs are often poetry, right, Kira? But he would ask the students, after reading the lyrics, after talking Bruce's themes and the imagery he portrayed, does Mary get in the car? So that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I think so. Okay. And why? I don't know if it's if it's the optimist in me, hoping that for her own sake she does get in the car. Yes. Um, but like you said before about about the imagery and everything that's portrayed, I think why wouldn't she get in the car? She's got nothing to lose. Yeah, that's great. Kara, this was a joy. Thank you so much for staying up late for me. Wonderful success. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I'm going to play a little bit of the Annie, if that's okay, to yeah, end yeah. the podcast. And we will, I will include all your social links in the podcast. And I hope we get to talk again soon. Me too. All right. Listeners, be safe, be kind, check out her music, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. episode i'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback um so if you want to skip this i understand but i do hope you check it out every once in a while i'm available on twitter at jesse jackson dfw the show is available at setlustingbruce you can send me an email setlustingbruce at gmail.com you can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442 I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. 
You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.